a little fun, a little in the sun, a little lake action. Talk about a good time, right? What if we also add a few hundred corpses, some missing people, a few murders, and the occasional ghost? Well, that means you must be in Lake Lanier territory. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. Let's dive on in. Out of the hills of Habersham, down the valleys of Hall, I hurry amain to reach the plain, run the rapid and leap the fall, split at the rock and together again, except my bed or narrow or wide, and flee from folly on every side, with a lover's pain to obtain the plain, far from the hills of Habersham, far from the valleys of Hall. All down the hills of Habersham, all through the valleys of Hall, the rushes cried, Abide, abide. The willful waterweeds held me thrall. The laving laurel turned my tide. The ferns and fondling grass said, Stay. The dewberry dipped for to work delay. And the little reeds sighed, Abide, abide. Here in the halls of Habersham, here in the valleys of Hall. High o'er the hills of Habersham, Veiling the valleys of Hall, the hickory told me manifold, fair tales of shade and poplar tall, wrought me here shadowy self to hold, the chestnut, the oak, the walnut, the pine, overleaning with flickering meaning and sign, said pass not so cold these manifold, deep shades of the hills of Habersham, these glades in the valleys of Hall. And oft in the hills of Habersham, and oft in the valleys of Hall, the white quartz shone, and the smooth brook stone did bar me of passage with friendly brawl, and many a luminous jewel lone, crystals clear or a cloud with mist, ruby, garnet, and amethyst, made lures with the lights of streaming stone, and the clefts of the hills of Habersham, and the beds of the valleys of Hall. But oh, not the hills of Habersham, and oh, not the valleys of Hall. Avail, I am fain for to water the plain. Downward the voices of duty call. Downward to toil and be mixed with the main. The dry fields burn and the mills are to turn. And a myriad flowers mortally yearn. And the lordly main from beyond the plain falls o'er the hills of Habersham calls through the valleys of Hall. So Kylie, have you seen any of those TikToks about Lake Lanier? I I still have not. I have not. Really? I, really? My well, again, my for you page is like the same 10 things. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of true crime is on my FYP, but dude, Lake Lanier was blowing up, especially the month of October. Like a lot of cases were like talking about it, or like I guess not cases, a lot of um people. Yeah, no, nothing at all. I only saw maybe like a little bit of like splash of like um splash. <laughs> <laughs> like these photos, like no one should have ever seen, but nobody actually realized what they were looking at, type of thing. Oh yeah, I only saw those. 
Well, I saw a bunch of Lake Lanier, but then this one podcast. No, why do I keep saying podcaster? This one TikToker that I like, mm-hmm. she did 31 days of haunted water, waterways, water, watery things. Did she do one with a mermaid? I don't remember. Okay. There were so many. There were so many. There were good ones. Okay. But her Lake Lanier was really good. Um, I might have seen the mermaid one. Well, I'm going to tell you all about Lake Lanier since you don't know that much. So Lake Lanier is a man-made lake near Atlanta, Georgia, which is where my best friend lives. That's all. (laughs) That's all. (laughs) Goodbye. She knows who she is. I don't need to name names. It is said to be a cursed place. There are a lot of urban legends surrounding the area. And due to its histories, its mysteries, and how many lives it's claimed, it is for sure something. Most people have at least seen something, whether it's a TikTok, the name being shared, just something. But until you know, you have no idea. So I'm going to take you on a journey and tell you everything there is to know about Lake Lania. The area where the lake eventually would be going has a lot of backstory to it, which I will be going through. But first, I want to talk about the actual lake and how it came to be. So where this area takes place was actually one of the beginning steps of the Trail of Tears. Quick history lesson for those that forget what the Trail of Tears is. It was a forced displacement of 60,000 plus Native Americans where the U.S. government had seized their land, forced migration upon them, and the most affected were the Cherokee, the Muscogee, the Seminole, the Chickasaw, the Chokataw, the Ponca, and the Ho-Chunk or Winnebago tribes. The government was taking over the land east of the Mississippi River starting in 1838 and having the Native Americans march 12,000, nope, 1,200 plus miles of rugged land all the way to Oklahoma. Could you imagine if it was 12,000? That would be even worse. The disrespect. Talk about tears. But also just the disrespect of making them go to Oklahoma. Yeah. I don't know what's in Oklahoma, but it can't be much. <laughs> I don't know. I've, never been I've literally never heard a good thing being like, oh, my God, Oklahoma has the greatest. Literally nothing. I can't even finish that sentence. My friend used to live there. Oaks. But do they have <laughs> oaks? <laughs> like the Oklahoma oaks. Like the tree. Oh, I guess it's not even spelled like that. I didn't even realize Oklahoma. Okay. Okay, Lahoma. (laughs) (laughs) So we're recording late at night, if you can't tell. A little tired. (laughs) Can you say that again? (laughs) Okay, Lahoma. Okay, Lahoma. (laughs) That's how it's spelled. I should have just went into this just saying it like that and like seeing if you caught it and you've been like, wait, wait, wait. Oh, I definitely would have caught it. (laughs) Do you know me? Okay, Lahoma. Like, excuse me, what? (laughs) Okay, we just turned a really morbid thing into like the weirdest correlational joke. So sorry. So the land was already said to have potential curses or be haunted or even just be bad luck due to the fact that it was that beginning part of the Trail of Tears. But the U.S. government pretty much said, okay, and? As they normally do. (laughs) With literally anything. So in the 1900s, the area had became different counties, which it still is today. It's Hall, Forsyth, 
Dawson, Gwinnett, and Lumpkin. In 1903, <laughs> you laugh every time I say Lumpkin. You try to hold it in and then I'll say it and I just hear it. I don't know why. What is it about the word Lumpkin? Do you really want to know? <laughs> my lumps, my lumps. No, wait, that's my humps. <laughs> My lovely lady. Lumps. Humps. No. What is the song? It's my humps. Oh, God. Um, but Blumpkin? <gasps> oh! <laughs> That's not what I was thinking about. I'm not dirty like you. Clearly. <laughs> wow, that took a turn. <laughs> Poor Lumpkin. <laughs> I have to just go away from the mic because I'm laughing so loud. Hi, I live in Blumpkin <laughs> County. <laughs> All we want to do is play Animal Crossing. <laughs> We're so tired. Okay. Um, <laughs> I can't read the notes now. <laughs> this is why we need a soundboard so then we can have Blumpkins. And I can't stop thinking about boners. <laughs> and, um, oh. The seven foot thing. Or the oh my God. Seven inches. You guys, what's even seven inches in the world? <laughs> uh, AKA, I'm not good at sex stuff, apparently. I'm learning because I have missed every sex joke we've made. We're like female beavis and butthead, but not dirty. <laughs> I'm always in the gutter. Always. Oh. <clears throat> I learned it from my mama. <laughs> in 1903, there was a tragedy in this area that had killed 88 or more people. It was in June when a tornado destroyed dozens of homes and businesses in the Gainesville area. Gainesville, Georgia, not Gainesville, Florida, since we just did Danny Rollings and Gainesville Ripper. Just for a reference, people, <laughs> don't get mixed up here. Don't think we're taking a detour. It is said that this tragedy could have killed up to 100 people, but the actual number that they recorded down for right now is 88, unless more bodies will be found over time. Let's take a quick detour, though, into Forsyth County, because Forsyth is the biggest county I read in the area with the most details. It doesn't mean it's the actual biggest in size, but it's the biggest with reportings. They are also a reason that this land could be potentially haunted. Kylie, trivia time. Technically, I've told you this one. <laughs> yep. so you should know. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even get to read the question. No, I still don't have any idea. Forsyth County had a murder in 2018. It's a potential suicide or a potential murder. I have my own opinions. I know which one it is. I've decided. What was the name of the woman? What was the name of the woman? I have no idea. I don't remember at all. Initials or anything? No. Tamla Horsford. Oh, yeah. I never would have gotten that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you guys think you could best Kylie in a trivia, let me know. <laughs> Tell me because I will make a trivia episode. We'll do it. I got info, y'all. We can do it. 
That would be the worst episode. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I would give you hints. Maybe. Or maybe I wouldn't, let's be honest. <laughs> In 1912, it was mostly an African-American populated area, and the area became extremely racially charged in September of that year after two incidents. Let's go over the two incidents. The first one happened on September 5th. Ellen Grice, a 22-year-old woman, accused two black men of breaking into her home in Big Creek community. She had said one of the men had raped her. She was a wife of a well-known farmer in the area, and she claimed that she was attacked on purpose due to this. She blamed the attack on Tony Howell and Isaiah Perkle. Ellen had said that her mother frightened the men away, though. The two men were instantly arrested. However, the sheriff did not just arrest these two men, by the way. He also arrested Bate Chester, Johnny Bates, and Joe Rogers for assuming they could have been additional suspects to the crime. I love the name Fate Chester. Sounds fake. I'm super about it. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. I've never met anyone that's named Fate. I've met someone named Myth. Like, that's a myth. Mm. I really liked that. That's hard to pronounce when my tongue rings myth. Myth. The T-H sounds sometimes (laughs) hard for me. This resulted in a black preacher named Grant Smith of the cunning... That's what I wish it was. <laughs> Why are you thinking about Blumpkins? <laughs> no. But Imagine come if on. Cumming Church was in Blumpkin County. The town of Cumming and Bl- Oh, it's not called Blumpkin. It's, it's called Blumpkin. Right. Oops. <laughs> it's forever wow. from this day forward known Blumpkin as Blumpkin County. County. <laughs> well, he was the minister of a Cumming Church. And some members of the church drove up with him and demanded the release of the two men, which resulted in a mob of white men coming to confront them and fight them. The preacher was beaten with a horsewhip in front of the courthouse and told a white woman would never have consensual relationships with a black man. So that's how we know she's raped. That's not how it works. Nope. Zero percent. Which... A lot of this stuff is racially charged throughout the beginning of this episode. Just keep that in mind, you guys. There's no way around talking about this without bringing up the past. So we're doing this to give you an insight. The sheriff did come out, though, and he ended up rescuing the preacher. But he was so close to death at this point because he had been beaten so horrifically. The deputy on duty that night, named Mitchell Loomis, had locked Smith in the courthouse vault to protect him from the mobs that were outside to try to save his life. But these cops sound like they're doing the right thing by, like, bringing him in, taking care of him. But they also didn't even arrest anyone or charge anyone for the crimes of beating him or assaulting him or attacking him. They let everyone go. Sounds fair. Obviously. Yeah. (laughs) That's so rude. Like, you also have to think about it. At some point, Smith was will be released. Mm-hmm. And what? He just has to, like, walk among these people and be like, remember that time you beat me until I was almost dead? Yeah. That <laughs> good was times, a great good time. times. Yeah. yeah exactly. Like, that's just so messed up. Soon after this, on September 9th, the second attack occurred, which was when an 18-year-old white woman named Sleety May Crow. I can't. I love it. 
Which would you rather be named, O'Mather or Sleety? Sleety. Okay. Okay, good to know. Good to know. What uh, would you rather be, O'Mather? No, I like the name Sleety Maycrow. I yeah. but I feel like I would have to say my whole name always. Yeah. Hi, I'm Sleety Maycrow. Because back then, you know, three names is cool. Yeah. I'm Sleety Maycrow. Sleety I live May. down the road. Sleety May. Yeah. No, that's that's Sleety that's May. precious. Um. I love that. <clears throat> well, Sleety May Crow was, would end up being raped and murdered on the banks of the Chattahoochee River in Oscarville, Georgia, within Forsyth. Did you hear that accent that came yeah, real I heard strong it. that it whole little, sentence? There's a little smooth molasses Ooh. in there. <laughs> <clears throat> wow. Sleety May Crow was born in 1893 and murdered in 1912. She was attacked while walking from her aunt's house on Brownsbridge Road when she got struck from behind and drug into the woods. Sleety tried fighting off her attackers and even ripped up a dogwood tree by the roots during the attack. That's some force. That's legit. Yeah. In the end, Sleety was raped and then hit at least three times in the head with a large stone that ended up crushing her skull. Her body was found unconscious in the woods, and there were different stories circulating, but they all have a similar theme of this being an attack done by a group of African-American teenagers, the townspeople said. With the high racial tension of the times, it was obvious these were false allegations that were used to drive any black residents out of town. They ended up blaming the crime on a 16-year-old boy named Ernest Knox. Ernest was forced into a mox lynching to get a forced confession of him, and that's how he ended up being put in jail. The story was, Ernest did the crime, and he was so nervous that he instantly must have ran and told three of his friends what he had done in hopes that they would help him get away with his crime. His three friends would end up being Oscar Daniel, who is 17, who has the worst luck out of the whole group. Trucy Jane Daniel, which was Oscar's 22-year-old sister, and Robert Edwards, who was Jane's 24-year-old boyfriend. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Robert is the one who had the worst of this. They supposedly planned out how to dispose of Crow's body in the Chattahoochee River, but got too nervous and ended up leaving her body in the woods. It's when you say Chattahoochee, that's when it comes out. You're like, <laughs> my accent. Yeah. <laughs> that's why Corey made fun of the way I say it. He's like, is that really how you say that? I love it. Yeah. They think that Ernest did this because he lived very close to the woods where her body was found. That doesn't mean he did it just because someone lives close to something. Nope. The sheriff, William Reed had left the deputy on duty to watch over the prisoners from both these crimes. So keep that in mind. He left one person to look over all these people during this racially charged time when they also knew that there had been like a mob just a few days before and everything else. Like he was setting this man up for failure pretty well, much. And this is like old times. This is not like electric door locks. And he like, this like is it's like a padlock. With yeah. A key. If that it reminds me of the Pirates of the Caribbean where the yep. dog has like yep. the just yep. the key. And it's like <laughs> exactly coming in a doggy. Yes. Yeah, that's what it reminds me of. 
during this time, another white mob had formed outside the jail that started breaking into the jails and dragging the men out and attacking them. Rob Edwards was attacked by the mob with crowbars and then drugged through the town behind a wagon. After a brutal beating, he was hoisted up onto a telegraph pole and the mob took turns shooting him in the stomach and lynching him. The other two boys, Ernest and Oscar, were sentenced to hang and were killed 21 days after this. That did make me kind of inquire why Rob got the worst of the event when they blamed Ernest for the event. I wondered if they only got Rob out of the cell and maybe they couldn't get the other people out or something because you only ever hear about Rob getting tortured. They said that they beat the other boys, but maybe they beat them through the cells somehow or something. I don't know. Because I'm I'm not saying they should have done this to any of them, but wouldn't they have wanted to do it to the person they're blaming for the crime? And also, wouldn't they... These people were so messed well, up. Wouldn't they just want to do it to all of them? Right. It's a mob. So mass chaos, destruction, all of the It's above. not like they're getting stopped, clearly. So why wouldn't they just, you know, go right. gung-ho? I don't know. I, I wonder that every time I hear about this case, I'm always like, what did, what did poor Rob do? And yeah. poor Rob was literally just like the boyfriend slash neighbor Poor Rob was just the boyfriend slash neighbor, and he got this treatment. After these events, they passed as many laws, used as much violence, and as many threats as they could to try and evict any black person in the town. It essentially became known as a sundown town. A sundown town is an all-white area that's use of discrimination with violence will create an all-white suburban area. They summarized the whole event by saying... Any black person is not welcome after sundown or else they are open to attacks from the KKK as often as needed. It's like an open purge every single night. But only on people that aren't white, literally. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, they're not going to get stopped, clearly. No, it's like legal. Yeah, that's severely messed up for so many reasons. I could understand why people would think this place is, mm, I don't know, bad news. Yeah, a little bit. If you think that's already bad enough, some more things happened due to this. They started a group called the Night Riders, which is a great name, bad concept. After the trials and execution, the Night Riders were formed, and it was a group of white men who would threaten and intimidate any black townspeople to force them to leave. The Night Riders would shoot into homes, attack people that were walking home from work, set fire to their land, kill their farm animals, Or just attack innocent people. They did pretty much any bad thing you could think of. They eventually drove almost everyone away due to pure fear. The Knight Rider group did not just stay in Forsyth County, though. They tried doing the same thing to Dawson County and Hall County. But they were stopped when 11 Knight Riders were arrested by the Hall County Sheriff. It was estimated that 1,100 people had left town during this time due to the events and all the racial tension. So as you can see, just the beginning of how this land came to be was already doomed from the start. But they decided to just kind of brush over this and pretend that all that just didn't happen. Right. Okay. Yeah, of course, because that's the most logical solution. So let's fill it up with water. Let's just (laughs) pretend it never happened. 
So they had the Lake Lanier and Buford Dam plans that had been in place since before World War II. But there was that little thing that happened to the U.S. I don't know if you remember it. Um, The Great Depression. That and, oh, I don't know, the war. <laughs> they both delayed the construction and planning very heavily because we just didn't have it in the funds or anything to start a new project in the U.S. So in November of 1945, the dam was again recommended by different Army engineers. They said that the 1946 Federal Rivers and Harbors Board had studied the proposal and put the cost at only $17.6 million. Only. Which, you say only, but that was a steal for what they thought was the water could be used for. But at the same time, they didn't totally know what the water could be used for. There were a lot of arguments and lawsuits, which followed the Lake Lanier path literally all the time. We'll get into them both parts of both episodes. But... At this point, the problem was, is the area where the dam and lakes would be placed, and I say lakes because Lake Lanier is one lake, but there's multiple lakes kind of conjoining here. There were two water basins, the Apachicola chattahoochee flint River Basin. (laughs) (laughs) I think you, I think you still said it wrong. (laughs) Apachicola. That is literally what I said. Apala, Apala, Chicola, Coca Cola. (laughs) Oh, that noise! (laughs) Whoops. Um. Well, that was one water basin. I know that was a lot of words, but that was just one. (laughs) And the second one was the Alabama Coosa-Tallapalooza River Basin. Nope. It's Talapusa. not Lollapalooza. <laughs> Talapusa. Yeah. Talapusa. Talapusa. Okay. It was pretty much named what the rivers were that conjoined. So like the Alabama River, the Coosa River, and the Talapusa River all <laughs> connected where the river basin was. So they called it that. They couldn't think of a better name, just like Basin A, Basin B. Right. Like, where are these names coming or from? Or just even name it like the Georgeson Basin. <laughs> like yeah. something. They're like, nah, we're going to wreck it for all you people that try to pronounce stuff. (laughs) You cartographers, fit this on your maps. The basins caused a lot of conflict because they fell between multiple states. They landed all between Georgia, Alabama, and Florida. So the tri-state area needed to agree on what the water should be used for. The concept was that the project would create a dam and a new man-made lake that would help with flood control, hydroelectric power to the city of Atlanta, potentially recreation or at least a water supply, an attraction, but not necessarily an attraction to go inside the water. Same with recreational use. More of like a parking, not parking district like your car, like parks, natural forest parks, but a main water source for the city of Atlanta. But before they could start the construction, they needed the land to do this. They started purchasing land that was already developed into towns, homes, or even cemeteries. In 1948, the first purchase was officially made. A man named Henry Shadburn, who was an 81-year-old ferryman, had sold his 100-acre farm in Forsyth County. 
It was named Shadburn's Ferry, and he sold it to the U.S. for $41,000. This would only be the equivalent of $454,000 today, which sounds like a lot, but for a 100-acre farm that brings in all your money, your farmland, your animals live there, everything, he, they, they robbed him. Yeah, that's a steal for sure. But they did they did do something nice. They kept the Shadburn Ferry name and they like named the river or the bridge that goes over that area like Shadburn's Bridge or something like that. Like I almost feel like that's insult well, to injury. Right. <laughs> but um okay. The government was buying land all over and they were able to get a little over 50,000 acres total. They got the land cheap at about $50 an acre for some places. Most families were bought out and told to leave the land. There was an estimate that 200 to 700 families were evacuated from the entire region. Those that had refused to sell their land were forcibly removed and their homes were seized by the government to be destroyed by the water. The mayor of Atlanta, William B. Hartsfeld, and the U.S. Senator, Richard Russell, were the two that really got the ball rolling on the Buford Dam project. Supposedly, there was this rumor before it was named Buford Dam that it would be named the Dodd Dam after the legendary Georgia Tech football coach, Bobby Dodd. Even if I I was just like, okay, maybe like Bobby would have been better, but no, Bobby Dam. I always think of Dodd Dam, owner of the Dodd Dam Dimidome, because <laughs> we said it one time and it's never left it's me. It's never gone. On March 1st in 1950, the Buford Dam was begun. The lake was beginning to fill up as of February 1st in 1956. It took over 600 billion gallons of water to fill the lake. The lake was filled by May 25th. 1959 and was 1,070 feet above sea level. The deepest part of Lake Lanier hits approximately 250 feet deep, but the average depth is anywhere of the shallow areas being 30 feet and the deepest parts being 160 feet deep. (laughs) I was trying not to laugh because I tried to do 600 (laughs) billion gallons like um, Dr. Evil. Oh and I've been thinking about how you didn't laugh and I'm a little embarrassed. I'm sorry. It's okay. So, Kylie, I know that you're wondering how big Lake Lanier is because you always ask me a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. So I put some size references here for you. All right. So this bad boy is 258 foot deep in the absolute depths of it, but more average spots are 160 feet deep. So the Statue of Liberty is 151 feet. However, that's only like feet to crown to like torch. Mm -hmm. The actual pedestal is making it closer to 305 feet. So she would sink in it. But Mm -hmm. if you add her pedestal, she'll she'll stand up. You'll see her. Okay. You'll see like her head pretty much and her crown. That'd be kind of cool though. The Eiffel Tower is 984 feet. So Pretty much the whole base of it would be covered and stuff. Like a third of it would be covered. Yeah. Um, the Space Needle is 520 feet. So, you know, two two fifths of that almost. It ended up costing 
Remember, we we said that the the money would be how much was it? Seventeen point six. Yeah. All right. How much do you think it actually cost, Kylie? Well, I already read it. So. Okay. <laughs> way to way to ruin the hearts of millions. It was forty five million dollars that it ended up costing to create the lake and I dam. Mean, honestly, I feel like that's even that's still low. I feel like it's billions of dollars to create lakes now. I'll be real. I don't know the going rate for the lakes of the U.S. (laughs) But uh, I felt I feel like hearing the word forty five million dollars to make. I don't know. Something that Mother Nature makes for free. Yeah. Is a little ridiculous, especially because during this time they still could have done. Solar power for the city of Atlanta. Why didn't they do that? Could they though? Solar power, so like actual solar power, wasn't really a thing for a while. Well, I, I feel like know. it still would have been cheaper to do that for the city of Atlanta than to make this fucking terrifying lake. I don't know. All right, someone that's smarter than us, hit <laughs> us with some facts. Could Atlanta, in the year, what was this year at this point? Nineteen forty-five, forty, fifty-six, fifty-nine. 56 to 59 is how long it took. Could solar panel power the city of Atlanta? Let us know. Tell us your theories. Among the destruction of the towns, they also destroyed six churches, 15 businesses, most of which tried to relocate, but if they were family owned, were unable to. And 20 cemeteries were moved. Yep. Nope. Don't like that. Mm-mm. Moved. Yep. I paused there for emphasism. <laughs> Um, so the remains of most of the people were dug up and put into new cemeteries. However, most of these graves were like pauper graves or family-based cemeteries, unmarked graves, penny graves, things like that. So I'm I'm trying to say this nice, but who the fuck cares if we move them? No one will know type thing is how right. they thought of it. They think only two thirds of the graves were even attempted to move. Within the towns, there were wooden structures or homes that were burned down to the concrete foundations, and many of the buildings that remained were knocked down partially or just ignored. Farmlands, the Oscarville Village, a whole nother lake called Lake Warner, many fields, forests, and everything else was consumed by Lake Lanier. The rule also was for, like, trees and things like that, as long as the very top of whatever item of like the tree was, as long as it was 35 feet deep, they can remain. That's that's pretty that's pretty tall. <laughs> Divers go way below 35 feet all the time. Like, yeah, that does not no. seem. That far. They just really didn't think that one through. Because, like, I'm thinking of a football field and, like, yeah, yeah, 35 feet is not that much. No. Mm. Many historical landmarks were also lost to the lake, including a main attraction of the Georgia area called Looper's Speedway. Now, I've heard a lot of people talk about Looper's Speedway, and I couldn't figure out what the name of it was because people say it really fast in almost every podcast. But it's called Looper's, like, a loop around the track. Like mm-hmm. a loop, L O O P. Yeah, I thought it was Lucy's speed track. By what? by the way, so many people would say it. they'd be like Looper speed track, Lucy speed track, and I couldn't figure out what to like look up because I couldn't understand what people were saying. That's funny. I have really bad hearing. 
The track was built in 1948, just off Highway 129. The track was slowly overtaken by the water as the lake was filling in. Nothing at the track was demolished, however. In 2007, when the lake hit its biggest drought, they lost about 50 feet of water. That's when it became visible to everyone. It was the concrete grandstands that were able to be seen above the water level, reminding people of part of the tragedy that came with creating the lake. The old track is now the center point of Laurel Park, a super popular fishing spot. Also, the man that owned Looper Speedway ended up passing away not long before the um, Lake Lanier stuff. And like his family and stuff still owned it and everything. And they were still having, they were having races and stuff up to the day, pretty much. They were having races up until the literal, like last possible day. Cause they made comments being like, yeah, in some parts of the track, you just can't race. Cause there's a little too much water on that part, but you can go around this part. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my golly. So were people just like sitting there like throwing water at this like i don't understand i don't understand how, how a lake fills because also don't like a bowl i'm imagining land is shaped like a plate unless you create a bowl right but you can't put water on a plate and expect it to stay you have to put water in a bowl does this make sense what i'm saying yes how i don't know do they form a lake without digging like, without dredging something yes an area yeah but they said that all they did was they dammed up the rivers and it flooded areas. How did the whole state of Georgia not flood? I feel like I'm asking a really stupid question and people are going to think I'm really dumb right now. But I genuinely, I don't know. My either. mind can't wrap around this. No. Yeah. Or it's just it's just like people like getting, oh, here's another bucket. Oh, here's another and bucket. And they say like 600 billion gallons, gallons. of water. Like how? How? I just don't understand. Is it, it's probably like what they fill a plane and dump it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that actually kind of makes logical sense. But I still don't understand the plate to bowl ratio concept that I'm talking about. <laughs> and I know that someone out there is smarter than me and they are listening to this and they're like, this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, how dumb are you? I am not smarter than a fifth grader. I learned after that TV show. <laughs> I don't think a fifth grader would know this. I don't know. I don't know, man. I still think it would be really funny if it was just people like getting buckets. <laughs> they're like trying to watch and they're like, man, you threw that bucket of water on me. Hey, I'm trying to watch the track. You got it in my beard, Jimmy. Go. <laughs> Jimmy, like he knows the guy. Yeah, he's like, Jimmy, go, go flood the east side. I mean, I'm sitting on the west side. <laughs> Another landmark that got covered was the Browns and Keith Bridge, which was destroyed. It was a very famous bridge in the area. I could not figure out why, but many people were very distraught at the reasoning of this bridge being demolished. They did chop down some of the forest area, like I said, but most of the forest area below the lake is just left and people get caught up in it all the time. They do have some areas at the lake marked off due to the trees being so tall or like where there's excess debris and makes it an unsafe territory. And they'll like put up signs being like, hey, guys. Too much debris in this area right now. Debris. You know, just trees hanging out. (laughs) Right. And they're like, "Uh, can you swim 50 feet to the right? (laughs) So you don't get tangled in this this old pine tree here. Sucked down into the forest. Can trees still grow underwater? Yes. What? Yeah. So are the trees under Lake Lanier still growing? 
Yeah, probably. Because there's still sunlight and trees need sun to grow and they're obviously getting water. Obviously getting enough water. They might be a little bit like water bogged. I don't know. Wouldn't it flood the roots so that they aren't strong enough to grow? I guess if they've been growing and they're tall enough, they would, the roots are deep enough. I bet you like the top of them, if they were showing above the water, would grow upward. This concept is terrifying me right now. <laughs> I'm like just imagining the trees trees growing taller than water. What? <laughs> trees getting taller than the water. <laughs> God, I'm really bad at. I'm freaking out. That's why I'm talking so bad. <laughs> I'm like imagining going swimming and just like getting caught on the side of a tree, and it's not even like oh, it's like deep. It's like right next to me. I'm gonna look it up now. If trees can grow underwater, yeah. And, I God, mean, I some- hope they can't. Some trees obviously can because they're like water trees, but like well swamps. Yeah. I'm such a gamer. It's like, did you mean Minecraft? <laughs> In Minecraft, trees trees can grow underwater though. In case you're wondering. It says some species can survive standing in several feet of water for months, but if their foliage is completely covered, they can die in as quickly as one month. In fact, very few species can tolerate more than one month of complete submersion. So some of them can, but I'm guessing like a forest type isn't going to survive like a forest type of like a like an oak or a pine or maple. I don't think those would survive. Okay, so potentially the trees under Lake Lanier are not growing. Yeah, but some could be. Yes. Woof. That's a scary, 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 scary thought. Okay. Learn something new every day. Truly. And hopefully we learn how lakes are made soon. (laughs) I'd really like to know. I'm genuinely curious. I did try to look stuff up and it kind of confused me. It was like learning chemistry all over again. Oh, yeah. No, I wasn't about it. So that's why I'm just asking you guys to explain it. Explain it to me like I'm five. Right. As Michael Scott would say. Due to the amount of cemeteries and places that were covered up, often people say the lake could be easily haunted by old spirits. Oh, yeah. No kidding. You know, because, you know, there's, I don't know, two thirds of dead people down there. Like, no, thanks. Well, and the way that the land came to be. Yeah. Most people that swim in the lake talk about a feeling of doom or dread engulfing them as they go deeper into the lake. Like the lake is almost swallowing them or pushing them deeper within. Nope. People say it seems like there are almost hands grabbing at them and pulling them under. Nope. The legends have definitely been created <laughs> due to these feelings. What's what's the phobia? That's a the it starts with th. That's the phobia. Stop making us sound stupid, Kylie. <laughs> okay, the fear of dark, like not being, being able to submerged see. in water where you can't see. Yeah, that. But like. The fact that people have said that it just feels like people on TikTok will get you with that phobia. They're oh. like, you don't like it here. Let me show you a bunch of scary stuff. Then. Oh, yeah. I'm like, bro, I'm just scrolling. I don't need your out. I, I don't need you to be bringing this negative energy. into. Could you day. imagine like getting into water and just feeling doom engulfing you like that scares the shit out of me thinking of it? Like, how can you? How can you even go in it or go near it? I don't I don't understand. So big nope energy. Kylie, would you rather swim in a pool, the ocean or a lake? Or Lake Lanier? Um, (laughs) It's a dumb category. (laughs) Lake Lanier. No, 
Uh, definitely a pool. A pool? Mm-hmm. Okay, what if it's only between an ocean or a lake? Lake. Lake? Yeah. Hmm. I don't like sharks. Well, the sharks don't like humans that much either. Uh... <laughs> they only like if you you're juicy bleeding. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I've have I mean, you ever I've seen... lived in the South, so I've, you know, in, okay, I have a story, I guess, then. <laughs> oh, my God, we were talking so much in this one. <laughs> I, went, I went to a, um, like, a boat party. This was so cool. It was, like, you know, a bunch of people, a bunch of rich people with boats hanging out, drinking, and um, in order to get to the bar or, like, the restrooms or any type of, like, civilization other than your boat, you had to jump off and go to the, you know, the bar, like, the little restaurant. And there were jellyfish surrounding us. Wait, didn't I tell you my jellyfish story? No. Oh, go first. You're going to hate mine. Okay. Well, I don't like I never got stung or anything, but um, I was just so like, t- I would like, I can't even explain how I would do this, but like, yeah, like, I would- <laughs> you look like the gingerbread man. <laughs> yeah. Like I would not, I just tried really hard not to be in the water, but that's like impossible to do when it's like, you know, up to my chest when I jump in. So I don't I don't like the unknowns of the ocean, I guess. But I love like I'm fascinated by the ocean. Like I want to learn what is that face. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I want to learn more. Like my favorite animal is the orca whale. But my favorite animal is, is the stingray. We both have water animals. Really? That's interesting. And for everyone that's come at me for Steve Irwin, go fuck yourself. <laughs> everyone always gonna be shit for it. It's not my fault my little ravioli felt attacked. What? Your little ravioli? They look like little raviolis that got thrown in the water. That's a ravioli. <laughs> Put a little tail on it and that's a fucking stingray. <laughs> Tell me they don't look like raviolis. I guess so. They do. Where did you get that from? <laughs> they look like a little pancake raviolis. Well, um, let's get back to Lake Lanier. Speaking of Lake Lanier, how did Lake Lanier come to be Lake Lanier? For a while, the lake was unnamed due to the fact that the tri-state area could not agree on a name. In the end, the lake was named after a famous famous author and poet named Sidney Lanier. He was also a really well-known Confederate soldier, though. Great. Right? Awesome. <laughs> of course he was. Did you just punch your mic? Yeah, a little bit. It was really loud. Sorry. It's okay. I just didn't know if you did. In November of 1877, the Georgia-born poet was published, and the title was Song of the Chattahoochee, thus giving him the right to name a lake after him, I guess. The Song of the Chattahoochee was what was read at the beginning, to give you kind of an example of what it is. Also, something really funny I found out about him was he also wrote, because he wrote a lot of things, but he also wrote two travel logs. One is called Sketches of India, and the other one is a travel log about Florida. Let me tell you why it's funny. This man, he never once went to India in his life. He wrote a whole travel blog about India. This man never went to India. What do you mean? That makes so much sense. 
So I'm going to throw a few statistics about Lake Lanier at you because I want you to get a feel kind of just for what's happening at the lake. The number of deaths at Lake Lanier has been about 675 since 1956. Between the years of 1998 and 2018, there was a report of 57 boating fatalities, 145 people that drowned. From 2015 to 2018, there was a report of 45 lake-related deaths and 128 boating accidents. There are other lakes that make up this area. For example, Lake Alatuna, which Alatuna is only a third as deadly as Lake Lanier. It was built on top of the ruins of the town of Etowa. From 2015 to 2018, this lake only experienced 66 boating incidents. Lake Oconee had 19 reports of them, and Lake Sinclair had 16. Another really scary thing about Lake Lanier is its rogue waves. Rogue waves are created in oceans or lakes, but they're like a tidal wave more that's potentially created by a force of kinetic energy. It's supposedly caused by a storm development, causing the water's current to go against the normal wave direction. The most common rogue waves occur in the Great Lakes, with Lake Superior having the most deadly ones called the Three Sisters, which is a famous rogue wave because it comes in a set of three with a large wave, a small wave rolling under it, and then a third larger wave that can roll over the first two even. I would... No. (laughs) That's kind of hard to, like, conceptualize in your mind. But when I watch, like, a clip about it, it's just scary. Yeah. I mean, waves are scary in general. Like, when you can see... Like, when it's clear water and you see the waves and someone's, like, under it and you can just, like, literally go under waves. Like, that just blows my mind already. But then, like, having three of them at one time in all the same thing. And these are silent waves, too. People usually don't hear hear them coming. And they can roll under you also while another one's rolling on top. Hence why they're called rogue waves, because they can do literally anything. Mm -hmm. So it will knock your boat forward and then roll under you and capsize you entirely and pull you under. And you'll be drug under and then get flipped over by the first wave still. You you have no chance. I always feel like I'm safe in a boat. But you're just really not. <laughs> you're really never not. safe. No. If water's involved, you're not safe. The only thing I can think of when I think of this, and I don't know if I just unlocked a childhood memory or if this is a dream I had, <laughs> but there's an episode of Pokemon <laughs> where Tentacruel, like, is flooding things he's like making waves and it's scary and they're like trying to stop him because he's creating these giant rogue waves i don't know if that's real i might have made that up i don't know you can ask me because you know so like i said they're scary just because they're silent and huge they can be tall and unpredictable and they carry tremendous braking pressure and they can capsize boats or drown people almost instantly If that wasn't scary enough, there is also a lot of crime and missing persons cases and murders in the lake. That's pretty terrifying. They also have a higher drowning rate compared to other lakes. The thing that makes this odd is because most of the drowning happens very close to the shoreline by strong swimmers. Since this lake has a lot of structures and trees, it tends to drag people under potentially. 
There are other man-made lakes that developed due to the 1948 River and Water Act. With this act, the lakes and waterways were created were abnormally formed with the flooding of land, quite often with towns below it. Lewis Smith Lake is a reservoir in North Alabama that has suspicious drownings also. It has eerie stories, missing people, and higher death counts than a normal lake as well. It also has a lot of structures below it that people say causes entrapment under the water. Since it's a man-made lake instead of a natural mother nature lake, there isn't enough erosion to cause cause natural drop-offs. So instead, the drop-offs are more like cliffs or sudden so that you would just fall into a deeper part for no reason at no inclination. It's much similar to how the ocean has big drop-offs, which people can get harmed and lost in easily as well. Therefore, you could drop severely instead of a slope like a natural lake occurrence should have. Due to this, when someone does drown, their body gets drugged really deep really fast, and it will cause the body to go missing for weeks or months due to the depth. Taking that into consideration, this lake is much smaller than Lake Lanier, so it's only 264 feet deep and 21,000 acres. And remember, Lake Lanier is 160 feet deep or up to 200 plus with more than 38,000 acres. So since things are drugged down to the bottom of the lake so easily, a lot of guns and weapons get thrown into the lake also because people say they can't link them to the crimes because they can't find them. So it's a futile attempt. They also started drowning the local ferries that were used on the Chattahoochee River at the bottom of Lake Lanier during the whole concept of filling the lake and everything. So nowadays, police reports along with the ferries at the bottom, ships have wrecked over time, or cars that are stolen get driven in the lake to submerge them. Just pretty much anything. It's like a... It's like their garbage can. Atlanta's I was going to say, it's like a dump, really. Another really funny story I found was in 2017, Julio Jones, who's a wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, was riding a jet ski on Lake Lanier when he lost an earring. My diamond earring came up in the ocean and it's gone. I'm and not there's people that are dying. I just His earring was worth $150,000. And supposedly he, they said, sent out divers to try and find it. One of the divers named Bobby Griffin was described to, to go to the bottom of the lake, and he said it was pitch blackness and just darkness all around. Due to the trees and the rocky terrain below, finding the earring was next to impossible. Later, it was redacted in a different interview, and Julio said he never hired anyone, especially the divers, because the earring's insured, so he's not worried. Typical rich boy there. Which boy? Which boy? <laughs> Which boy? Which boy? <laughs> So there's a lot of wild stuff already happening in Lake Lanier. And I've kind of gone over the history of how it came to be, some of the land, how it came to be, and just a little bit of it. But I don't want to overwhelm you with too much right now. So I'm going to actually break this into two episodes. And on the next episode, we'll go more in depth on the ghosts of the lake the murders of the lake the missing persons and stuff we'll kind of focus in more on how all of what we just learned shaped lake lanier into being the spooky place it is so spooky it really is 
Honestly, I have no idea why people go to Lake Lanier anymore, but in 2000, the Marine Trade Association in Atlanta said that the lake annually brings in $5.5 billion annually. That's kind of a lot. Yeah. The hydro generators at the dam bring in over $6 million of hydroelectricity to the Atlanta area. Lake Lanier has 8 million visitors annually with 68 parks, 122 campgrounds, 1,200 campsites, 10 marinas. I almost said marinara. (laughs) And, And 692 miles of shoreline. According to studies, that's almost as many people that are visiting Lake Lanier that visit the Louvre every year. Dang. Why? Which my sister went to the Louvre and she said she had to wait in line for hours to get inside and stuff like that. Like, it's but I'm sure I'm sure it's worth it. Uh, Yeah. 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 Pictures were bomb. So next time we'll go over a lot of other stuff and we'll really learn some crazy, crazy things i wanted to throw a few more wild interjections that i found out while studying but they're not enough to like make the front page news but i thought you guys might find these fun the netflix show ozark is filmed near the lake and the towns and some of the scenes are actual at lake lanier when there's water in the background it was just released that it's coming back in january i'm so excited so they're back at the lake i'm so excited. can't catch us there nope you couldn't pay me <laughs> There was a documentary by Jared Rook from 2018 called Danger Lake. There's also a dramatic, scary film called The Cleansing of Lake Lanier from Jibriel Haynes, 2017. I really emphasize the word cleansing because it's with a Z. Cleansing. What? Cleansing. Like Bazinga. Cleansinga. <laughs> Lastly, I really liked this one. It shook me when I heard about it. Kylie, if I tell you that we are going on a ghost tour, what do you think we're going to do? We're going to tour where some some ghosts are. That's a great thought, but that is not what the riverboat ghost tour is of Lake Lanier. It is, in fact, the complete opposite. It is a riverboat that they play spooky little fiddle music on and they gas it up and then they let it go in the beginning of the day and then they let it go to a different place to like dock and fuel and dock and fuel and that's it and i guess it has like controls but there are no humans on this boat it is ran by the ghosts for the ghosts to see the lake and visit and do things i don't understand i don't understand (laughs) like what who came up with this idea I feel like this is like a Scooby-Doo joke gone yes. bad. There, I don't feel like there's any way that could be taken seriously. But and it's not also be a joke. controlled. You said there's controls. Like, who's controlling it? How? I want that job. What how? do you do? Just like how? I feel like that was some guy that was just like, I want to make playing with my matchbox cars and stuff like that, like into a job <laughs> a career. And he's like, Ooh, you know what's more fun than matchbox boats? Ooh, ghost boats. Ooh, ghost boat on Lake Lanier. <laughs> and that was his train of thought. And then he's like, so, Chattahoochee friends. But how did they? I got an idea. How, how does he make money? Because people probably think it's cool and they tip it. I don't know. 
like throw money into it while it's passing them by or it's so terrifying like you're just like hanging out at the lake and then all of a sudden you see this boat that has no one on it well and how does he see where he's driving it to where like people don't hit it it doesn't hit other boats it doesn't hit swimmers how does it not get caught in any foliage there's just so many what ifs here yeah i don't understand all right I i need to know more my best friend that lives in atlanta you know who you are i need you to Go to Lake Lanier, take a video of this boat for me, <laughs> give me details so that I can seem like I know something. <laughs> so. I just genuinely have so many questions about that. Like, I feel like <laughs> we left Lake Lanier with more questions than we started. Yes. <laughs> Which is not how we did it the first time we recorded this. So I'm so the confused. Big old question mark. Well. That is all for part one, which it was it was a it was a pretty in-depth part one. Part two is going to be the the wild one, though. That'll be the fun one. <laughs> well, I wouldn't necessarily call it fun, but it's like the the crazy, the crazy, <laughs> spooky. spooky. So and remember, guys, this is a bonus episode. So make sure you listen to the weekly ones also that are coming yeah. out. Because this doesn't really fit our theme of the month, but we wanted to get this out to you because it's just, it's crazy. It's a fun thing. It's Thanksgiving. We wanted to give you something to be thankful for. It's so much history. It's (laughs) It's crazy. History. It's craziness. It's got ghosts. It's got murders. It's got missings. It's a little bit of everything for you. It's a little cryptic. Cryptid soup's all about. Except for we don't, we're not about the whole, the ghost boat. We're not about that. We don't support that. No. Or racism, you know, that's oh, not, or that's that. not okay. Yeah, or immigrating people from nope. like from their home. Okay, actually, we don't nope. support anything no, from Lake we Lanier. <laughs> like, two big thumbs down to Lake Lanier. <laughs> so thanks, guys, for making it through part one with us. We can't wait to see you for part two. Don't forget, there will also be the normal regular on Tuesday episodes. We'll post some pictures from Lake Lanier on the Instagram, Cryptic Soup Pod. We'll post pretty much like the the grandstands where it is some things like that just so you can get a feel for all the things we talked about today it's it's pretty looking at first glance we'll show you but then we'll show you oh, the yeah dark i'm sure stuff. it's gorgeous i made you google it you thought it was pretty yeah it does and then it i said pretty. no 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 google this and you're like oh yeah no i don't like that, that. Our DMs are always open for suggestion, guys. Maybe we can throw out another bonus to you next time we get a really good suggestion for something. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, tune in, keep up. We'll see you on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to because we're now pretty much on everything. You can get the link tree in our bio on Instagram. We can't wait to catch you guys next week. Stay tuned. Is this my normal volume? (laughs) (laughs) What? I feel like that's how I talk all the time. Is this how I talk talk. all the time? Yeah. Huh. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Okay, Athena, another time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm learning things about my noises. Okay.